<laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. We're so thrilled to be here. Praise God. We appreciate each one of you coming out this morning. And how many of you know this is the day the Lord has made? We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Glory to God. How many of you are glad you're still around in 2013? Praise God. Amen. We made her through another year. How many of you know this is going to be our best year we've ever had? Glory to God. I've said this is going to be our best year we've ever had. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Praise God. Well, we are thrilled to be here. And as Pastor Mark said, I'm thrilled to have my wife with me. Normally she's home pastoring, but uh, she's traveling with me. She's making this run with me. And and uh, I don't know if she enjoys the driving as much as I do, but she's acting like it anyway. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And And of course, we want to thank your pastors. Our dear, dear friends and family, Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda. How many know there is no higher office in the local church than the office of a shepherd? Amen. Glory to God forevermore. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them up, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we're, we're just going to take a little bit of time here this morning. You know... I normally always know where I'm going to start out. God will give me a verse or a scripture, and, but I never know where I'm going to end up, but it's always a good place if I follow the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so you're believing God with me, and how many know we're, we're just going to have an absolute ball this morning? Amen? Glory to God. Aren't you glad church is fun? Church is full of victory, full of information, revelation. And so as we come this morning, um, you know, in preparing for this morning, you know, uh, we realize, you know, God has always got something to say for every group of people. And, uh, you know, years gone by, I know we'd go to church and, and sometimes I'd have a message ready before we left, get to church. And all of a sudden I get to church and the Lord says, well, that, that's a good message, but I want you to preach this. And I said, well, Lord, how come you didn't tell me that earlier? And uh, he said, basically, Brother Keith Moore's the one that said this before. He said, Lord said to him, and I, and I relate to it. He said, basically, that message was for you. But now I've got something for the crowd. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, you know, I appreciate that. I've preached several messages. And when I get through, give an altar call and want to respond to them. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. But, you know, thank God for the freshness of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I believe that he always knows exactly what people want, what people need in, in that regard. So I believe that we're going to have something for you this morning that God will help you. How many of you are glad that we know we're in church today? It's Sunday. It's the day set aside to come and worship our Father. But aren't you glad that Monday we worship our Father? Aren't you glad that Tuesday we worship our Father? But, but you know, we'll have to go back out. We'll go to work. We'll do different things. We're going to be in the society. But how many of you know there will be things given to you when you come to church here? There will be things given to you every time you come that's going to help you on Monday. It's going to help you on Tuesday. It's going to help you on Wednesday. You'll come back. It's going to help you on Thursday. Because how many of you know we serve God every day? Amen. So this morning here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it starts off and it says in verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I like what the NLT says. It says, we live by believing, not by seeing. I, I remember years and years ago after we left Bible school, we went down to, to southern uh, southeast Texas and we started a church there. And uh, we got down there in, in Beaumont, Texas there in 1989. There was a group called Christian Science, and they had started to work there in, in Beaumont. And they, they picked up some truths that Brother Hagin was teaching, 
And they begin to say, you know, well, it's mind over matter. Well, how many of you have found out your mind will mess with you? So you got to get the word in your mind. Can I hear better? Amen. So in that, we know it's not mind over matter, but it's the word over matter. And so in that, they begin to teach people, you know, well, if you have problems, you just go around and say, I don't have trouble. I don't have trouble. I don't have trouble. I don't have trouble. And, you know, that was supposed to make it go away. But how many of you know, you can say that all day till you wear yourself out and get hoarse and it won't change nothing. But when you take the word of God and you put it in your mouth, how many of you know, and you start speaking to trouble according to the word of God, how many know trouble will change? It will turn around. So we know here, it says this in the NLT, it says, we live by believing, not by seeing. Look at somebody say, I live by what I believe. Not by what I see. Now, if you would, please go over to Second uh, Kings chapter 6. I appreciate Brother Tom and him singing these wonderful songs to God, about God. How many of you enjoy the wonderful praise and worship? Amen. And they were singing some things about, you know, we're going to walk by, by faith, not by sight, different things along this line. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13, it says, you know the story here about the prophet and his, and his helper. It says, and he said, go and spy, this king did to his people, go and spy where this prophet is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Verse 14, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. Verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? Now, we know here. That according to these stories, what you see is real. Can I hear a good amen with your natural eye? But aren't you glad it's not final? Amen. And so the man of God, he's in the tent. And we know he had been saying some things. And you know the scriptures about what led up to this. And so he's in there and his servant, he's outside and he's taking care of the animals and different things. And he happens to look, I guess, as it began to get daylight enough to see. And he looked around in the hills and all he could see was this great host of horses and chariots. How many of you know everything he could see in that mountain or on the ridge of the mountains around about him? Would you agree with me? They were all real. Sometimes in life, there are things that will come up. There are troubles. There are situations. They will come up. And how many of you know they are real? But the Bible declares to us that they are real, but they are not final. But the devil always wants people of God to start looking at these things all around them as though they are the final destination or they are the final answer. I, I don't remember that one uh, game show that uh, whatever his name was, the older guy had, but uh, he'd say, Final answer. And they'd say, yep, final answer. Well, how many of you know, sometimes when we see things, we might have a sudden out of fear or pressure. We might say something. But how many know when we gather ourselves back together, glory to God, and we remind ourselves what the word of God says. How many know when we begin to speak the word, that is our final answer, glory to God. And we're not going to say nothing else. We're not going to look at nothing else. We're going to look at the word of God. Amen. 
So the servant, he sees out there and he's taking care of everything. He happens to look around all of a sudden. He goes tearing back into the man of God's tent. And he said, alas, my master, alas, what shall we do? And he, all of a sudden, you've heard this. He says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. For there are more with us than there are with them. So I'm pretty sure the servant's standing there. And he peeks out the tent. You know, he don't. Oh, he looks out and he goes, One, two, three, four, five, six. That's more than I can count. And so then he says, Okay, and then there's one, two. One, two, three, four, five, six. And so often in life, the devil wants us to get so focused on what's going on around us. That we quit looking at the word of God. I love what pastor read a while ago. They that trust in the Lord. Glory to God. Our trust is in God and in the word of God. And it is our final answer. Glory to God. Sometimes people don't think they're walking by faith. Because you're going uh, having trouble. How many of you know when I used to drink and do drugs and all of that. I didn't have much trouble with the devil. Because I ran with him. But as soon as we got saved and come back into fellowship with God, it was like all hell broke loose. Why? Because now I am a direct enemy to the devil and the things of the devil. Glory to God. And people sometimes get to thinking, well, if I get saved, everything's going to be all right. You better hang on. Glory to God. Because when you get saved, the devil's going to come after you. But when you go to a word church and the word of God is put into you, you got something to combat the enemy with. Glory to God. Servants, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. What do they want? One, two. What do you want to be in? Oh, no, whatever. Amen. And then he says, one, two. Look at somebody say, one, two. That's enough. That's enough. One, two. How many of you know? Right here in this story, we see what you see is real, but it is not fine. I remember before we got saved, we'd be in the, the beer joints or whatever. And uh, I remember one night I was in one with her brother and <laughs> some guy come in. He said something he didn't like. And I was just going there to have a good time, shoot a little pool, carry on. And this guy says something, her brother, he takes the Q-step and he breaks it over this guy's head. And I thought, oh, snap, it's on now. <laughs> Amen. And you know, we're there. <laughs> And so, you know, the way, one thing I begin to learn, you go into places like that, always look for the exits. <laughs> so, he takes this, pow! Well, this guy's got friends. <laughs> we don't have to worry about him. He's bleeding, carrying on, whining. You know, he wasn't much, but now all of his buddies show up. But there was one time that... Uh, there, there was her other brother, Leo. He's a bigger guy. He, he's about 6'2", about 360, 370. He, he's kind of a bigger guy. And you know, when he was with me, I'd talk smack. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, 
a big burly guy, six foot. I'd be like, you want something? You know, if Lael's there. Well, you know, I imagine this servant, when he run in that tent, he'd like, one, two, help. And the man of God says, open his eyes. And he goes back out and he looks and the hills are full of chariots and horses and chariots of fire. And all of a sudden, I bet you, he opens that tent up and he's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. I got something for you. Come on down here. How many of you know God is for you, not against you? I said God's for you and not against you. Romans chapter 3. I love what R.W. used to talk about. He'd quote that little girl come to his meeting. And she said, if God be for you, the devil up again it. (laughs) How many of you believe God's for you? See, I used to think God was a big God with a big stick. And every time you messed up, you know, trying to get your attention. Thank God for Brother Hagin and Revelation and the Holy Ghost. Found out God loves me. He's for me. He ain't against me. God's wanting to help me, not hurt me. Can I hear a good amen? So in that, servant probably went outside. But before he could see what was around there, the horses and the chariots of fire... How many know they were already there? That's right. But everything else he could see was real, but not final. But not final. Amen. If you're alive, how many of y'all are alive? It's not near enough hands in here. How many of y'all are alive? Then how many of you know, whatever you're going through, it ain't final. Praise God. It ain't over. Tell you say it's over. And I say it ain't over. How many of you know? I don't, the world, they're going crazy right now. You know, they're just going berserk, going goofy. But how many know? That's what they're supposed to do. But aren't you glad the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been years training for this situation. One of our kids, we had a couple of them that went to Iraq. One of them, when he went over there, he spent seven years Training, preparing, becoming a specialist. And when he got over there, he didn't forget what he trained. He never called home crying, say, Daddy, they're shooting at me. How many know he should have realized that when he signed up for arm me? Sometimes Christians like, I didn't sign up for this. You signed up to live victorious for Jesus, win the lost, heal the sick, and raise the dead. Glory to God. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen. The devil wants us to become so focused on all the stuff that's going on around us, we forget about the lost. We forget about healing the sick. Now go with me if you would, please. Over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. When you get over there, say amen, please. All right. Thank you for those two amens. Amen. Now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Got three of you over there. Amen. (laughs) 
The rest of you own a Bible? You got one? All right, now. Okay, now. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Ready? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Aren't you glad the word ignorant means misinformed or don't know? The word stupid means when information's given and you still won't act on it. That's stupid. Look at somebody say, I'm glad I ain't sent by somebody stupid. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? Some of y'all ain't going to respond, I see. But it's all right. We'll help you. Now, so in that, stupid is when information comes, but you won't act on it. Ignorant is when you just don't know. I, I don't know how how some of the, the workings of the mechanical things that we have now, all the, the gadgets there, I don't know, but I still work them. You know, in the degree that my wife tells me what to do and sends notes to me. <laughs> Push this button, turn that on, and then I've locked stuff up, and it takes a while to get it undone. But, but I can understand that part. Some of that I'm ignorant about, but I'm not stupid. Every time information is given, I add that into my thinking. So here he says... <clears throat> Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of what? May I say this? That word advantage means a more favorable position. We know where the devil's position is according to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Paul, when he was caught up and he wrote about we are seated in heavenly places... And we are far above principality and power and might because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That was a revelation of authority. Then he wrote in chapter 2 of Ephesians that we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Now, in that, the devil's position should be under your and my feet. Our position is seated at the right hand of God. Is that correct? So we know then that what Paul wrote was the devil is looking for a different position. Okay? Now, when you respond to things by the word, based on your trust in God and the word, you stay in faith. How many of you know the devil has to stay in his position, which is under your feet? Now, here... I wrote this down. I'd like for you to to write this down if you want to. The devil wants the advantage more than he wants the recognition. There are times when things will begin to happen. And you know, I've never had, uh, when trouble come, situations come, the devil to, to appear and say, how'd I do this time? Never. Things will happen and very often people get to looking at that and they begin to question or or ask questions about, God, how come this to happen? And we understand here, you know, we we understand we can do things, but, but I'm talking in a very general sense that we know we are to live victorious, right? So the devil, he'll, these things will happen and transpire and he won't, he doesn't want the recognition. What he's after is a more favorable position. He doesn't jump up and say, Woo, how'd you like that test or trial? That was me, you know. 
No, he, that, you know how the devil operates. That's why Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices. He'll come along, he'll do something, and then he'll come with a thought, well, if God loved you, he wouldn't have let that happen. And he'll try to revert it or divert it, divert it, and make it look like your heavenly father sent it. How many of you are glad God don't send bad stuff? James 1, 17 says that with God, there's neither variableness nor shadow of good turning. Amen. Or turning from good things. How many know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? So the devil will try to get us to do these things. Now, if you would, go over, please, to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, please. And in Numbers chapter 21, it says, uh, let's just start in verse 5. You've read this story before. Numbers 21, 5. It says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and are so loaded this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery servants among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel, what they do? They died. And we know from, from here, from being taught here, we know that's not commissioning, but it is permission. Right? God didn't send the snakes to hurt nobody. Can I hear a good amen? Now, so they said some things. The snakes come. They bite some people. Some people die. But then if you would, look with me. Verse 7. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, everybody say that is bitten, please. That is bitten when he looketh where? Upon it. What's he going to do? He shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass. I find that very interesting. Brother Hagin taught us in 1987 after the visitation, the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. God said you've substituted the gold for, uh, substituted brass for the gold. Isn't that amazing that the serpent was not made out of gold? But brass. There's some things there, but we'll not get into that, but you just remember that. But then he said he made a serpent of brass. And he said everybody that is bitten, everybody say that is bitten. How many of you in this place here, as, after you've got saved and you follow God, how many of you have run into some kind of difficult situations? We can all raise both hands and both feet, can't we? But in that, we know then that the people of God, they are bit. Now, here's the thing I want to get to this morning. Sometimes, how many of y'all know what I mean by the, the Oklahoma colloquial expression? It says gun shy. Y'all know what I mean by gun shy? You know, when something goes off, you jet and run for a while, and then you come back and see what happened. You're gun shy. You know? And uh, so in that, when, when you're gun shy, it's based on something that has happened before. These people had got bit by serpents, and how many know their legs are swelling up? And they can feel their, their skin getting tightened. And Moses, he's done what God told him to do. So he takes the serpent, he puts him on a pole. And so you're standing there and you're looking at that pole. And you know, the Bible talks about it. It says, you can't glance at it. You got to stand there and look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's standing there and he's looking at that pole. 
and they already got bit. It says those that look on the pole after they're bit, they won't die. So their leg or swelling or whatever part they got bit at, they feel that. They've got to stand there and look at that pole, that serpent on that pole, and perhaps wind blows some leaves or something around them, and they hear... You know, it's tough when you've got bit before in an area where maybe something didn't work to the way you thought it should have. That area will always be a challenging point for you until you take the word of God and you whip it. So he's standing there perhaps and they're looking and they hear... You know, it's, it's tough not to go. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Why? Because the devil wants you and me to take our eyes and take them someplace where they are not supposed to go. He'll want you looking at your body. He'll want you, you look at your checkbook. And it, it'll, you know, it might say, uh, you know, I used to tell people sometime before I got saved, I'd, I'd give them a check and I'd say, this check might be back before I am. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> but, but after we got saved, we quit doing that. Amen. But you might look at you. Uh, could I hear a man on that last part? Okay, okay. All right. Now, <laughs> so you might look at your checkbook, and the checkbook's got zero, zero, zero. But then two bills come in, and you're like, zero, zero, zero. How many know what you're looking at is true? But it is not final. How many of you know? But the devil wants you to look. Take your eyes and just focus on that. But I mean, no, you get back over here where Pastor read this morning. They that trust in the Lord, glory to God. How many of you know we're going to be all right? Glory to God forevermore. So you take your time. You give your offering. And how many of you know, then you're always tempted, as Pastor said, not to pay your tithe. How many know you don't pay your tithe as a bill? You give it as the first fruit. And so you write out that time. And in the back of your mind, the devil's up on your shoulder hollering. What you going to do? What you going to do? You know that song, Bad Boys. What you going to do when they come for you? You know, the dead collectors. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? I better quit or recording people will be up in here. But anyway, you know, they'll be singing all this stuff to you. And how many of you know, if you get to looking at that, you get to listening to that, you'll quit looking at the word of God. But the word of God is final. It is true. And it will stand forever. (laughs) They're looking at that thing. And their legs getting tighter. How many of you ever felt pressure? Amen. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of why trouble came when we were over in Asia Minor. Sometimes people come along and they say, Brother Ricky, you know, or call my wife, Pastor, we got saved. 
We're serving God. This life that you said is wonderful. But ever since we've got saved, it's been typhoon season. (laughs) And things have happened. How many of you know that stuff is so you can feel it? That's what it's designed for. Why? In Mark chapter 4, when the disciples, that boat, you know, when, remember, remember the story? Jesus says, remember Mark 4? Let's get in the boat and go drown and give glory to God. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> Some people read that. You know, I'm going to give God credit and die. No, you are not. Jesus died for you. Quit it. <laughs> so, Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Where are they supposed to go? So he gets in the boat. He's been preaching. He lays down in the back. He's on a pillow. He's taking a nap. And so the disciples are singing. You know, the water's calm. It's like glass. And they've got Jesus in the boat and they're rowing. And they would be be singing Kumbaya, but Kumbaya's in the boat. They're just a rowing. And they're like, praise God, this is a good place. <laughs> Shondala. <laughs> they're just a rowing. Everything's so good. They're going to the other side with Jesus. Life is good. Water's calm. Moon reflecting on the water. They're like, whoo. Does it get any better than this? And then, as they're going, a wave comes. And they... (laughs) (laughs) Peter! And Peter's like, Lord... <laughs> Perhaps Thomas is like, I just don't believe this. But you know, and so they're just rolling. All of a sudden, it ain't, it ain't, it's like. <laughs> and they're like. <laughs> See, how I many know these guys are trained fishermen? They know great big waves. Little boat, sinky poo. They know that. And that's what messes with so many people. Because of previous experiences that they have went through. Maybe they didn't get all the way to the other side. The devil will always rehearse past victories. But Brother Hagen taught us every time he got into a hard place, he never brought up his past failures. He always brought up his merits. He said, God, I have left my church. I have left my family. I have obeyed you. How many of you know, don't bring up your failures. Bring up everything where you have obeyed. Now we're pretty good ways. And Peter's like, I've noticed you guys quit singing. (laughs) And then, you know, it was earlier. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and pretty soon, this boat is going. And how many know every one of them in the boat can feel the water? Years and years ago, I remember, uh, I hadn't been in uh, my wife's family very long. Her daddy, Peter Days, we called him, he loved to fish. And so he, uh, he said, I want you to go set trot lines with me. So we went out on Lake Livingston and we went. We set trot lines that afternoon. The lake is huge. It's down by Huntsville, Texas. We set the lines at night. We go back out and a storm's coming. And you know about the, those jugs of water they have now with the little spout and it, barometric pressure starts up, fish will bite and stuff. So it, we're out there. The storm's coming. It's lightning. And I mean the fish are biting about as fast as you can take one off and bait. Before you get three or four hooks away, there's another on the line. So he's really excited with all the fish we're catching, but I have already forgot what our mission was because all I can see are the thunderheads. Metal boat, water, lightning. <laughs> Be like. So I said, hey, Pete. How about we get get going? He's like, oh, no, look at all these fish. I'm like, really? You know, I'm almost at the point like, what fish? (laughs) And see, you can be in the middle of your victory and get so focused on the storm that you really don't realize what God's doing for you. And I mean, fish are in the bottom of the boat. You know how they do. They're flopping and carrying on. And... uh, and so all of a sudden, the wind picks up. And because we're on the north side of the lake, and it's almost, what, mile maybe across it? So, you know, time they get to the other side, they're pretty good waves. We're in a little old 14-foot aluminum boat, 25-horse heaven route. And so now, I mean, we're, we're going up and down. And when the front goes down, before it can come back up, the waves come over into the front of the boat. And now, you know, there were fish. They were flopping. Now they're swimming in the boat. You could have went fishing again. (laughs) You know, I'd have shot some of them, but I'd have put more holes in the boat. (laughs) But you know, they're all in there and they're doing all this. And I'm saying, Pete, Pete, look, water. I feel, I feel water. I feel like I'm failing. I, I feel like this ain't going to work, Pastor. How I many of you know? Get your feelings under control. Yes, that's right. Look at somebody say, I think he's preaching to you by the way you're looking, but I ain't sure. <laughs> Amen. Now, and so I said, Pete, the boat's filling up water. He said, Ricky, look at all these fish. He ain't a bit concerned because he knew where he was. I thought we're in, because Lake Livingston has alligators in it now. And, yeah, it does. Really. I, we were out in the water, you know, before we got saved, we used to go deer hunting. And very seldom did we ever have a deer that had a hole in the side. It was always between the eyes because they were looking at the spotlight. <laughs> see, that's illegal if you don't know that. Amen. That's before we got saved. You go after dark and you see the red light. <laughs> so anyway, so, so. 
I, we're out on the lake. He's spotlighting, looking for a trout line. And here's these red eyes. They're about this far apart. And I'm, my first thought was, a deer. And now I'm like, no, we're on the lake. I said, Pete, what is that? He said, that's an alligator. From that day forward, I never got in the water. I'm serious. I'm telling you the truth. And so I'm saying, Pete, the boat's filling up with water. He's like, just get a bucket or something. He said, look at the fish we're catching. He's focused on the harvest. It's your harvest. Thank you for that one Holy Ghost grunt and one amen. It's your harvest. He's like, oh, man. So I, I'm, I'm almost at a panic place. Almost. I ain't laughing, cutting up like I am right now. I'm serious. I'm on a mission. I ain't drowning out here. <laughs> so I get this bucket and I just start grabbing and I just, whoo. And the first time I go over the boat, it goes, kaboom. I'm like, wow, that was heavy water. He turns around and looks. Now he's mad at me. He ain't real excited about the harvest because all of his weights and trot lines and everything that he kept in the boat, they were in that bucket. I throwed it all over the side. But I didn't care. Hey man, I'm bailing water. <laughs> Sometimes when fear comes as such pressure, it will cause people to take their eyes off their harvest, take their eyes off the word, and it will get them so focused on the storm that they forget that they that trust in God and do the word will be okay. So I'm bailing and all of a sudden I say, Pete, let's go. And he takes a spotlight, you know, one that he had hooked to the battery. He's using a headlamp for the trot line, but he takes a big light and he turns and he shines and the bank is probably from here to that north wall. I'd take an oar and I'd put it over the side of the boat and water's about that deep. (laughs) And I am all shook up. Uh Uh-huh. About nothing. (laughs) I could have stepped out of the boat and been like, bring it on (laughs) and walked out but see fear always try to get you to go and think you're not going to make it it's not going to work this time and it'll bring such pressure but how many of you are glad you and I we're going to the other side amen let's stand up please Father, we love and thank you and praise you. We thank you, Father, this morning for the word. We thank you for the help of the Holy Ghost. Father, we realize that we that are born again, that are safe, that, Father, it doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble. No, but in trouble, we're going to have peace. Glory to God forevermore.